Hello, and welcome to Orot Me Mizrach, the remarkable teachings of Rov Cook, produced and recorded by Rabbi Dov Kidron and presented by World Mizrahi. Whether this will be your first exposure to Rav Cook's Torah or not, this series shines a new light on one of the most venerable Torah giants and spiritual leaders of the religious Zionist movement. So, we invite you to join us as we delve into the vast world of Rabbi Abraham Yitzchak Cook. Hello. Today, I will talk about one of the fundamental matters at the base of Rav Cook's doctrine, unity. He always endeavored to find the unity between everything that exists in the world and even between two things that seem to be complete opposites. The source of this attitude lies in the deep belief that everything that exists in the world, including the best good and the worst evil, was created by the Creator for the same purpose. Therefore, there must be a common denominator for everything that exists. Shortly after the passing of Rav Kook, his faithful disciple Rav Yaakov Moshe Harlapzatzal tried to write an obituary about the Rav and wrote the following, I cannot in any way concentrate my thoughts, especially in writing, and also, what shall I talk about? Of the marvelous genius, or of the great righteousness, of pure piousness, or of many, many deeds, or of being the leader of the generation, even just to tell about one of these will be a great and complete book. He goes on to explain that in each person there is a revealed side and a hidden side. And for most people, one of those two sides is more perfect than the other. And many times there is also an internal contradiction in the same person between his inner side and his outer side. But in Rav Kook, not only was there no contradiction between the sides, but he had a wonderful combination of the revealed side with the hidden side that constituted a force multiplier for each of the two sides. When he dealt with the external affairs of life, the visible matters, every person who came into contact with him admired his holiness. And when he dealt with hidden matters of the secrets of the Torah, he did not forget for a moment the world of practice. That is to say, the idea of unity in Rav Kook began with the fact that his own personality was unique by including various matters, which for most people seem to contradict each other, or at least as not belonging to each other. But for him, everything was united. He was a man of action and a man of the book, delved into the study of the revealed and the hidden, did many acts of charity and kindness, and also engaged in prayer and Torah and writing. He was a great preacher and knew how to tell interesting stories with a moral that everyone understood, and also taught deep lessons that not everyone could understand. The unity of Rav Kook begins between all the beings that exist in the world. The purpose of the creation of the world is that eventually all beings will unite and recognize the kingdom of God. So he even wrote about the unity that would be between all people and animals, and certainly always tried to find the common denominator that exists between all human beings, Jews and non-Jews. He believed with all his heart that the great majority of human beings are basically good people, and that bad guys and criminals are a small minority. Thus, for example, he sought the unity between Jews and Arabs. In the years 1928-1930, there was a great debate between Muslims and Jews over the right of Jews to pray near the Western Wall. The Muslims claimed that it was a purely Muslim place and that Jews were forbidden to pray there, and the Jews claimed 
that for thousands of years, Jews used to pray near the Western Wall, which was already a holy place for Jews even before the establishment of the religion of Islam. In the summer of 1929, the Muslims began to violently attack the Jews, killing 133 Jews and wounding 339. After this terrible massacre, the Muslim Mufti of Jerusalem wrote a memorandum of opinion in which he justified the massacre and disparaged the entire Jewish people, claiming that the Jews wanted to attack the Arabs first and they only defended themselves. In response, Rav Kook published his opinion that the Mufti, although he holds the supreme religious office of the Arabs, does not represent most of them, nor expresses their opinions and views. He added that he clearly knew that the Arab people in general, as well as most of the Arabs of the land of Israel, were full of sorrow and shame at the evil deeds that a small part of them had committed through incitement. And we hope that the tradition of peaceful and reciprocal ways will overcome the lie and the deceit and the impurity, and it will be possible to build together with all the inhabitants of the land of Israel the lovely abandoned land and turn it into a paradise and a repaired cultural land as it should be. As with any character trait, he was not born perfect with this trait, but worked throughout his life, improving himself every day, as is evident from what he wrote. A great and enlightening self-work is to remove anger from the heart completely, to look at everything with a beautiful eye, with a compassion of boundless kindness, to resemble the upper eye, also for what the wicked do, even for the more absolute evildoers in wickedness, to have compassion for them being immersed in the mud of wickedness and to find the good side of them and to reduce the value of evil for such evildoers will also end up being repaired. That is to say, he tried to look at everything like the upper eye in the same way that God looks at the world from the virtues of mercy and grace and a positive outlook. One of his famous phrases is, the pure righteous do not complain about wickedness, but add justice. Do not complain about heresy, but add faith. They do not complain about illiteracy, but add wisdom. He believed that the role of the rabbis is to be the ones who unite the people and wrote that one of the main causes of the decline of the dignity of the rabbinate is the division of the Jewish people into different factions and groups. And usually the rabbis also saw themselves as belonging to one of these groups. And this is a big mistake because the rabbis should belong to the entire nation of Israel. And instead, many of them are confined within a narrow framework of a certain group and are entrenched within the smallness of the party with the, all its shortcomings and deficiencies. Even when he was at the beginning of his career, the young Rav of the town of Zemel, he brought the spirit of peace there with him. This is how one of the townspeople, Ben Zion Berman, described the influence of Rav Kook. During the tenure of Rav Kook as the Rav of Zemel, many changes were made by him for the better. First and foremost, bringing peace to the community. Before his arrival, two rabbis served in the city's rabbinate who did not get along together, and the city was divided into two camps. The dispute nested until Rav Kook arrived and gathered the camps and made a true peace between them until they were united. In addition, he strengthened weak hands and corrected all the faults in matters of hospitality, visiting the sick, charity, so that they would not behave 
lazily. He also made good arrangements in the charity fund of our city, and the donors were sure that their money would come to the worthy cause and more and more good actions for the benefit of the city. Who will count and enumerate the venerable actions of our Rav who acted and did for the benefit of individuals? How many poor people were saved by him from hunger? How many orphans did he take pity? How many people would bless him every day for supporting them a big support at one time to buy tools to work to support themselves so that they would not have to be disgraced to reach out to ask for charity? Unity begins with the fact that people with certain opinions understand that there is room for another opinion as well. This idea of unity by Rav Kook begins with the study of Torah. There are different approaches to different matters in the Torah itself, and there were scholars whose method was to always look for the contrast between the opinions. Rav Kook believed that one should not focus on the differences between the opinions, but should seek the unity between them how they complement each other, and how each method favorably affects the second method, such as Maimonides, who praises the intellect and writes that man's highest virtue is expressed in his developed mind, compared to Rav Yehuda Halevi, who praises emotion and believes that the highest person is the one whose emotion is the most developed and whose qualities and character traits are the most corrected. There were some who believed that there was a dispute between two approaches without the possibility of bridging the gap between them. And inevitably, the result is that one must humiliate one method and exalt the other. Their approach was that one is wrong and one is right. But Rav Kook wrote that such criticism is of no use to understanding the depth of the thoughts of these great scholars, but rather one should try to understand how they complement each other's opinion and find the common denominator between them. For surely, there is justice in the words of both. So we must find a way to explain in what way the words of one are enlightened and just, and in what way the words of the other are exalted and sublime, because only in this way can they be understood in depth. Similarly, he wrote about the difference between the method of Torah study of Ashkenazi Jews, which focused more on deeper argumentation, and the method of study of Jews from Eastern countries, which emphasized a wide and orderly scope of knowledge. And the Rav Kook wrote that there is no contrast between the two methods because each of them should use the other method as well. And each part of the nation should develop its talents according to the inclination of his heart and also to influence and be influenced by his fellow. And then everyone will reach the highest rank. He wrote that the hand of God is that the Ashkenazi and Sephardic Jews gather together in the land of Israel so that each of them will have a positive effect on the other. And in the end, everyone will enrich their skills from each other, even when they are careful to maintain the tradition to which they were accustomed during the exile, as we see happening today. The unity of Torah study should affect the unity of people in general, because just as in Torah study, we should understand and analyze all opinions and ultimately reach the true conclusion, so too, in general, instead of focusing on the differences of opinions that exist between different parties, the Rav wrote, we need to understand what is the real point that each party has and how it positively affects the other parties. And when these things become clear in depth, we will all understand that there is one goal to which we all aspire and each contributes to achieving its own special angle 
which not only does not contradict the other angles, but enriches and complements them. Rav Ze'ev Aryeh Rabiner said that on the first Saturday after immigrating to Israel, he was privileged to be the guest of Rav Kook on Shabbat. And in the conversation around the table, things revolved around a certain extremist party. And he said to Rav Kook, isn't this method too extreme? The Rav replied with a smile on his lips, you know, there is no extreme method that does not have a point of truth. The extent to which unity was important to Rav Kook will be demonstrated by his behavior in the Arlozorov murder affair. In 1933, the statesman Dr. Chaim Arlozorov was murdered on the beach of Tel Aviv. A British court found that a Jew named Avraham Stavsky was the murderer and sentenced him to death by hanging. Rav Kook received secret and reliable information from a police officer that Arab mercenaries had murdered Arlozorov and that one of them even confessed to it and he courageously launched an extensive international campaign to save the life of the innocent Stavsky. At that time, the Jewish public was also divided into two camps, and naturally, those who belonged to the political right were in favor of saving Stavsky, and those who belonged to the left-wing camp attacked the right-wingers, claiming that from them the murderer emerged and that the court's verdict should be respected. Rav Ze'ev Arye Rabiner said that he once saw graffiti on the Rav's house in very large letters, Woe to the generation whose priests cover his murderers, and turned to the Rav in shock. How is it possible for such a thing to be written on the Rav's house? The Rav answered him with a smile, I don't care about all this. At that time, one Saturday night, one of the lovers of the right-wingers visited Rav Kook and began to talk about leftists, who are infidels and do not believe, the Rav sat and heard and did not respond. And that guest apparently interpreted the Rav's silence as an admission and continued to say that they should be excluded from the entire nation. When the Rav heard these words, he was shocked and said aloud, God forbid, the visitor asked him, what, are they better than the Karaites? The Rav answered him, the Karaites did not believe in the oral law and excluded themselves from the nation of Israel. But no one is allowed to exclude a group of Jews from the nation. Rav Yehuda Leib Maimon said that Rav Kook once told him that it's forbidden for a rabbi to belong to a particular party, even if its ideas and plans are close to his heart, because each party cares only about a certain aspect, according to its way and view, and works to express it only. That is, a party, by definition, does not see itself as expressing the will of the whole public, but only its own view, however important it may be. Therefore, a rabbi who should belong to the whole Klal Israel must not associate himself with a particular party. About two years before his death, Rav Kook published a letter to the entire Jewish people in which he wrote that it seems as if the people are divided into two camps, religious and secular. But these names are new names that did not exist in the past. We have always known that human beings are not equal in their spiritual level. There are righteous, there are average people, there are wicked people, but there have never been names in Israel that separate entire communities. And it's better to forget these names that cause separation instead of unity. When a person feels that he belongs to a certain camp, then this feeling prevents unity because whoever belongs to the religious camp thinks to himself that he belongs to the superior group, which does not need to correct itself, and only the secular should repent.
And whoever belongs to the group of the secular people thinks to himself that the whole idea of repentance and correction is a religious ultra-Orthodox concept and does not belong to him at all. So it results that everyone is sure that only the people of the other camp are the ones who need to correct themselves, whereas he belongs to the perfect camp. So how can we get everyone to improve and correct their actions? We all need to feel that we are one people and we have one common goal. And there are good things in all the groups and in all the camps in the people of Israel, especially in those who care about the general value of the whole nation. We all need to know that there is much to be corrected in each camp and much to receive from the goodness of the other camps. And then the general light will appear on all of us and that will bring about our salvation and the salvation of the whole world with us. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to Orot Mizrach, The Remarkable Teachings of Rav Cook. New episodes are released every Sunday. You can subscribe and listen to Orot Mizrach on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to follow World Mizrahi on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at World Mizrahi. Thank you and have a great day.